Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. Calling all new and emerging content creators in BC and Alberta. In case you haven't heard of StoryHive, they've been supporting storytellers in Western Canada since 2013. This year, they're celebrating their 10th anniversary with their biggest edition yet. The StoryHive Anniversary Documentary Edition is funding 80 short documentaries on any local story you're passionate about. You could get $20,000 in production funding, training, and mentorship, and distribution on TELUS, Optic TV, and Stream Plus. If you live in BC or Alberta and you have an idea for a short documentary, now's the time to send your pitch. Send in your application by February 28th at storyhive.com apply. Your story, your narrative. It's birthday party time <laughs> here at Shea Read Along. It is. Uh, as we record this, it is our daughter's third birthday. Yeah. And we had her party uh, this past weekend. Yeah, her first real birthday party, mm-hmm. too, because... Pandemic she, baby. Yeah, she was born just prior to the pandemic kind of starting and everybody beginning to get really cautious about gathering in large groups. And so her first birthday was conducted mostly via Zoom and her second birthday was conducted mostly via Zoom. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this was the first time we actually got, like, some people together. Yeah, in a place that wasn't... Uh in someone's home. Yeah. We actually went out. Yeah. To a birthday party. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a huge thing. Well, she's only three. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to throw her an elaborate birthday. It was nice. With there were cupcakes and juice and... Kids. So much jumping. Yes, and lots of jumping. So much jumping. <laughs> Which is exactly what she wanted to do, so it was yeah. a good time. Yeah. I hope everyone had fun anyway. All also the kids seem exhausted by the end of the day. Yeah, we uh, didn't even get to open presents until the next day because by the time we got home after the party and going out and getting a little uh, kind of a fancy supper. We did a birthday dinner. It was already getting pretty late and the kids were both exhausted. Oh, yes. So, they were done. So, uh, yeah, we uh, held off on presents until the next day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and today is actual birthday day. Yeah, because as always, you schedule the birthday party for like the weekend around your birthday. Yeah, to make sure everybody can come. Exactly. Or at least the majority of people can come. Yes. As many people as possible can come. Indeed. Yeah. So. We did it. We We did. We threw a birthday party. (laughs) Haven't thrown a little kid birthday party in a while. Yeah. It's been a minute. Stupid pandemic ruining the birthday parties. With that said, that's just kind of an update of what's going on in our lives. But, uh. (laughs) Really, we're we're here to talk about a book. Oh, so, we are. Uh, let's do a brief recap of our previous chapter in which uh, Professor Addie Cox was tussled up, thrown upon a mechanical unicorn, and uncomfortably driven across <laughs> the land to the realm of arrows, where she is taken to basically not Rivendell. Yeah, legally distinct from. Is simultaneously awed and disappointed. Which is a weird conflict of emotions, I think. Uh, Which will carry through, spoiler alert, this chapter. Oh, yes. And uh, then is led up to meet with Dom, who finally... (laughs) At last! ...appears in the story. And that is where we pick up chapter 21 of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. 
So we open with big, awkward X energy. Ha ha! Yes. Okay, so Dom is clearly a charmer. Yes. Clearly a charmer. Well, he was described by Addie early on as being charming. Like, she had positive things to say about him early on in the story. She doesn't hate him. No. He's not the bad guy here. They didn't necessarily end on the best of terms, and their relationship had grown apart, but she's like, he was a nice guy. He was gallant and chivalrous. Yeah, he's not some abusive ex or anything. It's not like that. No. And so, like, we see that on display here as well. Oh, yes. What I mean when I say he's a charmer is he's not just charming to Addie, right? You know what I mean? Like... He is a charmer. Yeah. That is how he gets through life. He has set himself up here as Lord of the Elves. Indeed. And like it's it's pretty clear that he has devotion from his followers. So Oh. Almost a scary amount. Almost. It's the ears. It was the ears. The ears feel like a lot. Dom had surgery. Yeah. To give him elven ears. Yeah. That is a level of commitment to the bit. That is so very extreme. And I mean, even Addie comments on that. Yeah. And she actually thinks it's a little crude, which I think is funny because that is the realest thing that she has encountered. And she thinks it's crude by comparison because the facsimiles are of such high quality. That, that's, that's what I found funny about that. She's like, oh, it almost seemed kind of crude. Dude had surgery. <laughs> that's permanent. Yeah, and uh, from the looks of it, wasn't the only one as well. No. Of the elves who uh, went all in. That is a freaky level of devotion. Like, freaky, like these people cannot quit their jobs anymore. Well, I mean. Well, I mean, you, they can, but, can, but now they have pointy ears. But now they have pointy ears. So there's, there's a kind of a brief reacquaintance here. Dom quickly notices that Addie, A, has cut her hair, which he was surprised by, because when he was seeing her on the video cameras, obviously, he just thought she had her hair pinned up. And then also notes, oh, and you've injured your hand. Who did this to you? And there's an undercurrent of like, I will make them pay. Yeah. Oh, there was definitely, I didn't need tone. (laughs) I didn't need to hear it out loud to know that there was that tone there. Yeah. And Addie actually like thinks better of throwing poor hapless Craig (laughs) under the bus and is just like, it was an accident. It happened. Yeah. Also, why do you assume that someone did this to me as opposed to it just happening, right? Like maybe she fell and hurt her hand. Yeah, but Dom's also (laughs) aware of what's going on on the island. Yes, but still. He's already leaping to some conclusions and I appreciate that Addie was pushing back a little bit because she recognizes her boundaries. Yeah, he actually... The implication is that the conclusion he's leaping to more is less that one of the other production teams on the island might be responsible for it, and that maybe the mercenaries were responsible for it. Maybe. He has a clear disdain from them right from the start, and does not like that Addy has been hanging out with them. And there's, yeah, that implication there that he, he kind of jumps to the assumption, I think, that maybe one of the mercenaries hurt her. Which is interesting, because through much of this chapter, Addy keeps coming back to the thought of... I'd hate for Torres to be disappointed in this. (laughs) Like, she thinks about that more than once. Yeah, she does. She cares about what Torres thinks about her. Which is weird. And again, I'm not trying to ascribe any sort of romantic thing here. No, no, there isn't any that I notice anyway. There's been a genuine connection between the two of them. And I legitimately think it's interesting that her thoughts constantly wander back to, I hope that Torres is not disappointed in this. Well, yes, they have this very interesting and healthy, I think, connection, right? Because he's coming at 
her situation from a very different viewpoint than anyone else has. We've Mm -hmm. talked about this before. But he also garners a certain level of respect because of his rank and position. Yeah. Right? And Addy recognizes that, realizes that that is something that has been earned, and pays that due respect. He's in charge for a reason. Oh, uh, Interestingly, for a very different reason than Arthur, Tess, or Dom are in charge. Yes. Well, he has a very different job than they do. Yeah, and it's it also is interesting to me that he garners a different kind of respect than either Arthur or Tess or Dom do. Yeah. Uh, especially from Addie. And it's also interesting to me that Dom immediately falls into the pattern that Addie commented on earlier. Yes. That he considers her to be an delicate fleur. That is the exact phrase I wrote in my notes, that she is a delicate fleur. Yeah. What needs careful attention and kid gloves. And, the, oh, I would be so frustrated if it were me. Yeah, and he, he falls immediately directly into that pattern. And Addie kind of calls him out on it a little bit, and he backs off a bit. But, like, she also is kind of, like, she's had such a rough couple days. And she kind of wants to be pampered. And so even as she's recognizing that this is him falling into the pattern, at the same time, she's not really heavily resisting it. She, as I said, she pushes back a little bit, but not a lot. I think if Addie had her druthers in this situation, she would want the pampering and she wants it enough that she's willing to take it from Dom. Yeah. She'd rather not. But if your options are no pampering or pampering with Dom, she'll take the pampering even though it comes with Dom. Yeah. First thing that he does to immediately win her over is offer her that much desired cup of tea. I was just going to say, we're missing the important part, which is that he has tea. Yeah. And I mean, he gives her direct attention too. Like he's spending time with her. Like he sends the guards away. This is just you and me time. Yep. It's just them. But it's also a little performative. um, It's a lot performative, I think. Addie recognizes that they're both using their teacups as props at one point, just so they have something to do with their hands. Well, because otherwise they would just be awkward. Yeah. Right? He goes and, like, stands at the balcony overlooking, like, the trees, deep in thought. Like, there's there's a performative aspect oh. to this. He wants to look impressive to her. I've rolled my eyes, like, at least three times since we've started recording already <laughs> because of him. Ugh. Dom. I'm going to get a little ahead of myself here because I think this is a good point to drop this in. Okay. Dom's got himself set up pretty good here. Yep. And it almost feels like he's a guy who's very close to having everything he wants in life. So close. But there's one thing he doesn't have. Yep. And that's the girl of his dreams. Yep. And that's Addie. Yep. And it feels like a lot of this is him trying to woo her all over again. Yep. Because this is his this is his opportunity again. I have a lengthy paragraph in my notes about their dynamic here now that we've actually met him and are actually interacting with the person and not her memories of him. Yeah. Yes. He is treating her like a delicate fleur, right? This precious thing. He doesn't want a partner. He wants a pet. Yeah, that's the way to put it. He wants to take her in. And look after her and care for her and spoil her and treat her nice and do all of these things, but with no regard to what she actually needs or wants. He wants to put his pretty little songbird in this beautiful gilded cage. Yeah, that's certainly the impression. That's that's the very strong impression I got from and that's, him. And that's kind of the reason why she broke up with him in the first place. Because yep. she recognized that. And she even... She's self-aware enough to recognize there was a time when that is what I wanted, Mm -hmm. but I grew beyond that. 
And he wasn't willing to take that journey with me. He still wanted me to be what I was. And I can see how she's tempted because... Because she's had a really rough couple of days. She's had a really rough couple days. And this is absolutely all she's ever wanted, right? To a certain extent, yes. This is a fantasy escape. Yes. And it's very tempting. It's super tempting. It's a very pretty gilded cage. Yes. Very pretty. Very tempting. And she's trying it out. And I think ultimately she's going to recognize that this is what it is. Yeah. And I hope to God she says no, because she probably will, let's face it. Well, yeah. One would assume that's the trajectory of her hero's journey here. Yeah. We do get a little bit of conversation between the two of them early oh, yes. on. Let's go back to that. First of all, Addie decides not to deliver Harris Slang's message, at least not at this time. Because she recognizes that it's part of Harris and Dom's game, whatever game they're playing. Well, whatever that and is. she she makes the conscious decision that she's just not going to be Harris Lang's messenger in this moment. Whether or not she does deliver that message later on remains we'll to see. be seen. I think she actually made a smart decision with that, especially after the conversation with Dom about Harris Lang. Yeah, because Dom makes it pretty clear that Harris is playing a game. Here. Uh-huh. He pretty much confirms he is the one who did indeed activate the shield to cut off the island. But he, much as we supposed he would, is framing it less as, I've done a terrible thing, and more, I've done a thing to protect this place from the real bad guy. Right. The way that he kind of frames this is, when we all came to this island, when I came to this island, and Arthur came to this island, and Tess came to this island, and our teams came to this island, and we can corroborate from a number of different team members, they all bought into this. And we can corroborate from Arthur and from Dom, at the very least, that they bought into this. And we can even suppose that Tess has, at this point, kind of bought into this, Mm -hmm. even despite her divided loyalties. And here, Dom is saying, Harris never bought into this. Harris Lang was never a true believer. For him, this was always just business. Right. What he has done here is crude. And what he's doing with the, the wonderful things we've made here is crude. I have taken it away from him to protect it from him. That is a very succinct way of putting it. Yes. yes. I think you're right. That's not verbatim what he says. No, no, no. But this is, this is essentially his argument. Yeah. And this is how he's kind of justifying himself to Addy. Like, we have built something special here, and I'm keeping it away from the man who would abuse it. Yeah. On the surface level, it comes across that Dom is just really butthurt, that Lang doesn't believe as hard as he does. Yes. Your way is far more eloquent and a little deeper than that. Well, because I buy that Dom is a true believer. I really do buy it. Oh, yeah. He he believes it to the depths of his soul. He is 100% bought into this place. And it broke his heart to realize that Harris, a guy he looked up to and who initiated this project, did not believe the same way. Mm -hmm. And for him, it was never about creating this magical place. It was always about making money. And that drove Dom to drastic action, which Harris, based on his writings in the book that was found back in the Dwarf Fortress, anticipated. He knew that by getting these true believers on this island and putting them to work, that he was going to get pushback when the time came for him to monetize it. I can't nod any louder. Yes. The way Dom speaks about it, Harris Lang took up his collection of nerds, put them in a very nerd-rich environment... To like to nerd to to nerd to <laughs> nurture his nerds, right? And, and now the nerds are mad about it because they realize they've been taken advantage of. Well, not just taken advantage of, but in a way he's taking it away. Yeah, and they're angry about that. Yeah, he has planted his nerds, 
and he is reaping his harvest from his nerds, <laughs> right? Follow my metaphor. It's weird. And now the nerds are mad because, no, this we did this. You gave this to us, and we did this, and now you're doing the bad thing with our stuff. Yeah, and so Dom activated his shield and took it away from him. Yes. And now Harris has sent in his mercenaries to take it back because Harris Lang anticipated that this would happen. I'm under the impression that this is not the first time Harris Lang has had to, um, it's the right phrase, put his people down. Well, that's actually part of the reason why he's fostered this level of paranoia between the three kingdoms, I'm going to say, on the island. Between his realms. Because he didn't want Tess, Arthur, and Dom working together because he knew that if they were working together, they might actually be able to take the island away from him. Yes. So by keeping them at each other's throats, he keeps the island divided again, and and thus pointed at each other as opposed to pointed at him. Yep. Except it kind of sort of backfired, kind of, sort of. Not really, because Dom still had an ace in his pocket, which was the energy shield. Yeah. Which kind of threw a spanner and everything. Yes. But, of course, there's still the fact that Tess and Arthur aren't on board. He did this unilaterally. I can't decide who is right, though. Ah, shades of gray. Right? It's all, like, it's bad guy versus bad guy, kind of. Yeah, we'll have to see how it shakes out. Um, a couple other pertinent pieces of information as we talk about the energy shield. Number one, it's still up. It's visible in the sky. And yeah. it's been hours, which leads Addie to probably correctly surmise that the anti-ring, either they've been having trouble installing it or it does not work. Yeah. Which is a problem. Yeah. Or maybe something happened. Number two. Dom was unaware that anyone had died. Yeah. And I legitimately believe that from him. He, it comes across as sincere when he's like, nobody's been hurt. Yeah. And she's like, well, actually, yeah, Coast Guard Cutter crashed into your energy shield and sank and 10 people died. And he's legitimately like, oh. Ah, this was a huge red flag for me, though. He kind of brushes it off. Right? Yeah. Like, no, dude, people are dead. Innocent people, uninvolved people have died because of this. And he's like, oh, yeah, casualties of war. He doesn't say that, but no. that's the attitude of it, and that that is a scary thing to me. But again, he's a true believer, yeah, and so which is even scarier. Yeah, uh, he's fanatical. <laughs> yes, and so the idea that some people did get hurt—I mean, unsettling—but in the grand scheme of things, is it worth it? In my mind, his calculation is it is worth it. It's still a net zero for him. The sacrifice of the few for the good of the many. I hate it. That's just me. I hate it. He is scary levels of fanatical. Yeah. Don't like it. And Addie hasn't quite grokked that yet. We'll have to see if she does. They kind of finish off their conversation. And Dom is like, look, tell you what, you are in a rough state. You clearly need some rest and some relaxation. How about I have you taken to your quarters? It's all laid out for you. You can get freshened up. You can get changed. Get yourself comfortable. And we can talk again later. And she's like, yeah, that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> she's tired. Yeah. She's had a rough day. So spent most of it on a unicorn. Yeah. Right? So Dom summons a servant who actually comes in and curtsies to him. Ugh. And she takes Addie up to her room. Sorry. The bowing and the curtsying thing. Weird. It's weird enough for Addie, too, that she actually makes a mental note. I'm not bowing to anybody. Yeah. She's like, I will never curtsy yeah. while I'm here. That is not. Nope. <laughs> and uh, she... Draws herself a bath and has actually falls asleep for a short while. Oh, yeah. Dozes off in the tub. 
and then gets up and like there's exactly what you suggested might have happened before she was brought to Dom if there was time. Right. Like she's had a chance to bathe and get herself dressed up in elven finery. Does she wear, she doesn't wear the elven finery. She hasn't put it on yet, but it's there for her. It's got like, she hasn't opened up a wardrobe, but I'm willing to bet that he hasn't, he hasn't sent her grubby fatigues out for laundry I'm willing to bet that there are gowns or something oh, no. she in that wardrobe. She for her. explicitly says there is. is she there? just hasn't okay. put them on yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the servant comes back and is like, hey, we would be delighted if you would join us for dinner this evening. However, you've had a rough time. And if you would prefer to eat alone, totally understand. Yeah. We'll like bring this, you is, some. this is not a demand. It's just there is an open invitation for you. And Addie's like, ah, tempting as it would be to just have a quiet evening. Torres would suggest that this is a good chance to do some recon yeah. and to get some more information out of these people. So maybe I should go for dinner. And she agrees, I will be at dinner. And the servant, Laurelin? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Laurelin or Larolin. A very elven sounding very name. Very elven sounding name. Which Addie probably correctly surmises she likely picked for herself, but then she's like, but I've also had a lot of students with weird names the last couple of years. So, so who knows? Who knows? But Larolin is very clearly, like, overjoyed. Like, oh, Addie's going to come and join us. Oh, this, won't this be lovely. And Addie gets a little bit of texture out of her as well. Like, what were you doing before this? And oh, oh, I want to talk about this. Yes. And she was like, oh, I was working a boring IT job, and this was a great opportunity. She, like other people who Addie has spoken to on the island, as she put it, it was like the doors to Narnia were opening for the first time. Mm-hmm. For real. And I wanted to be brave enough to go through. Yeah. Which is... Essentially what it is, he Lang was offering a bunch of people, a select few, right? This crazy opportunity for, let's be honest, a life-changing experience. Yeah. Right? That's a big thing to take hold of. Yeah. Right? And there's this little passage at the end that I did also want to kind of highlight a little bit, where Larolyn says, uh, I suppose we all like to think we'll be Captain America, but most of us are just on the street trying to dodge falling buildings. And... That gets countered by Addie, who's like, why not be Captain America? Yeah. Because at the at the beginning, Captain America was just one of those dudes until he made the decision to step up and be Captain America. It's true. Like, say what you will about the super soldier serum and all that. Yeah. He volunteered for that. He stepped up. Yep. He and was the little guy who stepped up for it. Because the little guy can step up. Yeah. And that's what Addie's saying here. And it's interesting because at the beginning of this, she felt like the little guy. And now she's in a position to step up. Yeah. I want to ask you about this because there's something about that passage that sat weird with me. Where Addie said she was too tired to be angry about it. What is so angering about that? Larolyn is positioning herself in this moment as one of Dom's followers. She's suggesting Dom is Captain America. She's just one of the little guys. And Addie's countering with like, you don't have to be that person you don't have to be a servant here you could be the hero of your own story you were brave enough to go through the doors to narnia why aren't you brave enough to do more i still don't see where the anger comes in because she sees this she sees this woman suggesting that this is as good as it can be for her oh okay and i think that in that moment she's recognizing no it can be more that she's talking to someone who has accepted that this is how that this world that other people have built is how it needs to be. Well, not just that. Like no, she, Because no. Larolin had a part in building this world too. Of course. But now she's a servant in this castle. 
she was brave enough to enter this fantasy world and she's satisfied just being an NPC. And I think Addie on one level is angry about that. Yeah. Like, no, you've, you were brave enough to do this. You can take control of this. It can be better. You don't have to, because the situation on this Island is not as great as everyone originally thinks it is. Right? No, everybody's coasting, but uh, it's very clear that everybody recognizes that this society is broken. Yeah. There's something wrong, but nobody's, brave enough to step up and shift the status quo. Nobody's brave enough to step up and try to fix it. Even now that it's been isolated from the guy who's really ruined everything. Yeah. Subconsciously, she's recognizing something that she hasn't had time to fully process. That makes sense. And and that's <laughs> and why- in the same vein, I have not fully processed it. Yeah. Took talking to you. So yeah, she's talking, she's essentially talking to an NPC saying, why couldn't you be a PC? Why couldn't you be the hero of your own story? No. Yeah, okay. Why couldn't you be Captain America? I get it now. And for the record, always stand with Captain America. <laughs> Captain America is always right. Because if if you find yourself opposed to Captain America, spoiler alert, you're the bad guy now. Yes. If the MCU has taught me anything, <laughs> it's that Captain America is always right. It's because he's the moral center. Yeah. Yeah. We've had many nerd discussions off podcast about this because... We are nerds, and our friends are nerds, and this is the kind of stuff we talk about. Yeah. At any rate, uh, we'll have to find out who between Harris Lang and uh, Dominic Brand is the bad guy. Yeah, it could be either. It could be both. It's probably both. It it might be different shades of Like you said, gray. shades of gray. Yeah. yeah. I want one more thing before we close out our chapter, because we've basically come to the end of what's happened. Yeah. I want to talk just just a minute about the symbolism that I got out of Addie's vow to never curtsy while she's here. Mm -hmm. I I think it feels like she doesn't want to buy into the fantasy anymore. To an extent, yeah. I feel like that's true. Right? Like, this is her stand saying, no, this isn't real. This isn't good enough. It isn't satisfying my need. There's... I definitely... Pick up what you're saying, yeah. And I feel that there's a part of that in there. And I forgive me for being vague, but we've already well, well established that she is a victim of trauma, right? Her PTSD is strong, mm -hmm. right? So she falls into this fantasy world of pop culture and gaming and D&D &D as a wonderful form of escape. And now that she has been so very immersed in it, and getting everything she's ever wanted out of her imagination in front of her in real life. And it feels so false. Yes. It feels so fake. She's wandering around Rivendell. She takes a hot bath next to a magical grotto. And at the end of it, she's like, I will never, I will never curtsy as long as I am here. That is, that just feels so wrong. That's a bridge too far. Right? like no i'm not giving into this anymore this is all fake this is all false this isn't going to help me there's also to loop it back to the captain america comment though there's also uh an element of her kind of seizing her own status in this moment yes yes um and recognizing that she's not just an npc she is a member of the hero party yeah and she's so she <laughs> she is a hero in her own right and she can take a stand and establish her status here yes and that's that's an important character moment. It was me. it was a little itty bitty line, 
but it felt so empowering to me. It's very profound. For her. Yes. Right? Like, yes, girl, yes, you do this. I want Addie to be my friend in real life. I like her. I can say for certainty, and this kind of just dawned on me as we were talking in this chapter, uh, a better custodian for this island right now than any of the people who are in charge of it would be Addie. Yep. (laughs) 100%. Yep. Not just because she's done her research. Which she has. (laughs) But she truly believes in creating the fantasy, but she knows it's just a veneer. Yeah. Right? And and looking at it from the bottom up, she has respect for the people. Yeah. And for the things that they've created. Yes, they've done some which, amazing things. Which are things that both the design team and Harris Lang does not have. No, not in the same way. Not in the same way. So, yeah, we'll have to see where that goes. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up here. We went a little long, but there was a lot to digest because there's a, there's a lot of real good crunchy stuff in this chapter. And we'll have to see how dinner goes, I guess, next chapter. Will it be crashed by mercenaries? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, that's my other question. Where's Torres in all of this? I mean, again... It's been hours. The elves had a head start, and there's no guarantee that Torres knows exactly where Addie went. They could have spent an hour searching for her in the area. Yeah, that's true. Before they even hit upon the idea that she might have gone to see the elves. Or been captured by the elves. Maybe he feels that at this moment, it's more important to get that shield down... And then they can go find Addie afterwards. Also true. So, like, like, he wouldn't leave her hanging. Yeah. He wouldn't abandon her. No. But priorities. Yeah. Right? Who so, the, there's there's any number of reasons why they might not have caught up yet. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll want to find out what's going on in the next chapter as you read chapter 22 in time for next week. And in the meantime, you know, Addie Cox is a professor of English literature at a prestigious university. And the best way to get into university is to get a decent education. And wouldn't you know it, right here in Edmonton, the Edmonton Public School Board is hosting open houses. If you want to learn more about where you can get educated, right here in town. Get ready to take the guesswork out of choosing a school. Go to Edmonton Public Schools Open House. Meet the staff and ask your questions to learn about their schools and programs. Explore your options and find the school that feels right. Find event dates and learn how to make the most out of your visit at openhouse.epsb.ca. Know before you go and feel confident and excited when you get there. Edmonton Public School Board. Check them out. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, You can check out all of the sponsors of the podcast network right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. You can also find all of the member podcasts handily listed right there with <laughs> links directly to them if you are so inclined to check Very out. convenient. Yeah, you can probably download all of those on your podcatcher of choice, which is so. probably where you're catching this pod. Well, that just makes sense. So you can give us a little rating and a review. Oh, we would appreciate it. Yeah, you can also reach out to us on social media. Absolutely. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. Pick your favorite. We are at the read along on most of them, trying to make ourselves easy to find. You can also find us via email. Yes, we are the read along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much and we'll see you next time. Let's be honest, I would have a thousand percent also taken a bubble bath in a magical grotto. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.